We've been working through the book of Corinthians. If you've been with us, we've been working on 2 Corinthians. And uh, as many of you know now, as we've talked about, um, when we look back through the history and through the time, this is not the second letter. It's most likely the third letter, or maybe even the fourth. And Paul visited in between. And again, as we look through history, sometimes we lose sight of that, that because um, we're reading them one after the other, that all these things happened you know, immediately following. But no, there's some time in between. Sometimes there's years and sometimes there's hundreds of years between some of the scriptures and from the time that they're written. And so, again, we have to keep that in mind and in context. And so there's been some time that's gone on between 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. And I would think Paul would say this as, as he loves that church. They've grown through that time. They've changed, right? Churches change through time, hopefully. And and people change, and, and there, it's good to change. As we grow in our faith and, and we mature, it's good to, to, to go forward. And, and even God adds to the number, and he takes away from the number uh, quite often in the church body. Alyssa's here this morning, and, and my, my Dr. Pepper buddy, right? Things are different, right? You've been gone for a little while, and when you come back, there's some new faces, right? And so church changes a little bit. Well, the church in Corinth is no different. It changed over time. It, they matured, and some of the same things they were struggling early on, they're not struggling so much with, but it's still a temptation. We'll see, especially today, as we get into chapter 6 a little bit, but there's, there's still that nagging thing that's in the outside world that they struggle with. But overall, they've matured, and they've grown some. And so Paul has been addressing them, and in chapter 1, he starts off by talking about comfort. If you were with us, you remember in chapter 1, he, he says, you know, sometimes we go through experiences and we are comforted by God, and that is not just only for us, but is to have compassion and to give it to others, right? It's just, it's just not a, a one for us alone, but we're to share that. And I'm always amazed at how God uses those things in our life to be able to comfort other people and to come alongside them and help them get through it, right? If you have a shared experience, it quite often will help you get through it. Maybe you can help with the, the pitfalls or encouragement or to walk alongside. Paul also had another problem, and we see that addressed in chapter 2, right? Paul had this problem of the fact that he had told the church he was going to visit them, yet the Holy Spirit had led him to go by them, right? He, he went on his way to Macedonia and he, he, on his journey, and he, he went by them, and not only once, but on the way back, he ended up in Troas. He went right by the church in Corinth and didn't visit. And there were people that were upset. They were counting on Paul to visit, and he didn't show up. And so he came into question, right? They called in his integrity into question. because, hey, you didn't keep your word. You said you were going to come. And so Paul was trying to explain, hey, I was being led by the Holy Spirit. I, I wanted to come, but God had other plans for me, and so my plans changed. And there were people in the church at that time, leaders in the church that were trying to discredit Paul because of that. As we get a little bit more into chapter 3 and 4, Paul talks about that changing and the power of the, the Holy Spirit, right? We talked about the, the resurrection and how important that is. Right? And that, that we've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. We have been given that gift. You talked about how it's pleasing, right? It's a pleasing aroma to God when we live our lives as ministers of Christ, as believers. He also talked about the, the weakness of our bodies, right? You remember that one, right? Our bodies groan, right? And many of you groan, right, on a regular basis, right? 
I groan when I get out of bed in the morning. It's, it's an interesting sounds I make at this point. I've done nothing all night but sleep. But as we get older, right, our bodies start to break down. We start to have more aches and pains, and they groan. And Paul talks about being like a tent, right? It's a temporary home. But he also gives that reminder that it's only temporal. Eventually, we have that, that new body, that, right? We're, we're headed towards heaven. We're gonna, things are going to be set right again, and not to lose sight of that. We quite often get stuck, right, in our own circumstances, in our own mire, and we can't see clearly anymore, and we forget about the promises of God. And then last week, we obviously, we had the baptismal as well, but we also reiterated that fact about the new body and the, the new life that we're going to have, and we talked about living by faith and not by sight, right? We, we use that illustration of the, the wind as our faith, right? We can't see it. We can see the effects of it, but we can't actually, we can't put our hands on it. We can't grasp it, but that's what faith is. And we talked about stepping out in faith. And then we also just lastly, at the end of that, we talked about being Christ's ambassador, right? Being an ambassador for Christ. And uh, if you were with us last week, it kind of felt like it's like a, on the downward, it's like ambassador, and I didn't get much of an opportunity to explain it. Well, this is one of those cases in the letters, and when it was broken up in chapters, the chapter divide's not very good here. This is one of those situations where it's better to read, really, four, five, and six all together. But for the sake of time, we don't do that. So to help us out this morning, I'm going to back up into five just a little bit to verse 20. Guys are good. They already have it up there. But if you want to follow along in God's word, verse 20 says, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. There's so much to unpack in that, and we're not going to spend a, a lot of time in that, but you could, could really set on those verses a little bit, and, and what does that mean that, that Christ died for us and he took on our sin, right? Our past sin, our present sin, and our future sin. And he took that all upon himself, and the weight of that would have been crushing to any of us, but he took that on himself for our behalf. That's the, the gospel message. And then we have the resurrection, right? We have that hope and that as well, right? That, and that's where our righteousness comes from. But I want to focus a little bit on what it means to be an ambassador, because that's what Paul is saying here about being an ambassador for, for Christ, right? We don't become little gods. That, that would be blasphemy, and it would be dangerous, and, and we wouldn't do a very good job at it anyways, and so it would be pointless, right? Although I've met some people that think they're little gods, and if you've had kids, sometimes they think the world revolves around them, and they're, they're gods in and of themselves, but no, that's not truth, right? No, but an ambassador is someone who represents, right? They, they, don't, they don't carry the full weight of the responsibility, but they represent that person, right? And the call here and the call for all of us as believers is to be an ambassador for Christ, that we are to represent him all the time. That can be very easy on a Sunday morning, but come tomorrow morning, it gets a little more difficult, right? And Tuesday, even a little harder, and sometimes by Wednesday, we're not feeling it, we're not showing it, we're not doing it as well. And so Paul is encouraging and encourages us continually to, we need to be that ambassador all the time as believers in Christ. And so the challenge is there, and it's not easy. 
And certainly Paul is no different than us. He struggled with it as well, and, and we struggle with it. But there's a reason for it. There's a reason that we're to that calling, and that's part of the ministry. And Paul goes on to explain part of that here in chapter 6. And so as we move forward here in chapter 6, it says, As God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, In the time of my favor I heard from you, and in the day of salvation I helped you. I tell you now, now is the time of God's favor, and now is the day of salvation. Again, that word salvation is that deliverance, right? That, that being with us, right? We have that Holy Spirit inside of us. We, we have Christ. Uh, Jeff mentioned it in the song. We didn't plan that out, but it's so true, right? God is always there with us. He doesn't forsake us nor leave us. He is right there with us. Interesting, Paul says we're God's co-workers, right? We, we're in step with God is the thought here. In fact, Paul in Galatians mentions about walking along in the Holy Spirit, right? Walking step by step. I think I've mentioned this before, but walking moment by moment, conversation by conversation, interaction by interaction, we need to be in line with the Holy Spirit. We need help in doing that and that we represent Christ well in that. It still amazes me even to this day, as long as I've been a believer, that God chooses to use people, Right? He uses myself. And again, not that we're worthy, not that he needs to, not that he, he couldn't find someone more qualified or better, but he does choose to use us. Each and every one of us have a calling and a purpose. Co-workers with God. And again, he doesn't just throw us out there to be alone, right? He, he gives us the help. He gives the encouragement. He gives others to come alongside of us. He is there with us. Paul goes back to the reconciling, right? He has this, this trying to reconcile the re- relationship between the church and himself. And so he's explaining himself a little bit here in verse 3. He says, we put no stumbling block in anyone's path so that our ministry will not be discredited. Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, hardships, and distresses, in beatings, imprisonments, and riots, and hard work, sleepless nights, and hunger. I'm just going to stop right there because there's, there's a long list here. It kind of goes on and on, but you kind of get a glimpse into Paul's life. Paul is opening up and saying, yes, I'm following Christ. I'm doing what God wants me to do, but it's not easy, right? It doesn't always work out well. It's not always roses, right? It's a struggle that goes on. Sometimes we, we fall into that trap of thinking that, well, if I just follow Christ, everything's going to be okay. It's going to be easy, and that's not truth, right? Paul was following Christ, and he was beaten, imprisoned, thrown out of places, lost relationships. People discredited him, spoke against him, right? Certainly, it, it sounds like, wow, why, why would I want to sign up for this, right? It's not an easy journey. And Paul says, I don't want to be that stumbling block, right? I don't, want, I don't want to mislead you in any way. And again, he cares deeply for this church and these people. And so he's not explaining it as, as to get pity from them, but just to say, hey, I do this for Christ and I do this for you. He's, he's laying his life down for them. It goes on after the, the hunger says, impurity, understanding, patience, and kindness in the Holy Spirit, 
in sincere love and truthful speech and the power of God with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left. Through glory and dishonor, bad report and good report, genuine yet regarded as imposters. That contrast, Paul's using that contrasting argument. Again, there's, there's people in the, the body in Corinth that are talking against him, and they're using some of his words against him. Right? They say this, but that's not truth, is what Paul is really saying in a lot of these situations. Right? We're not imposters. I'm, I'm being led by Christ. I am an apostle. He, he's answering the arguments here from his heart. Right? They're trying to discredit him. They're talking against him. They're gossiping against him and slandering him. And he's saying, hey, that's not, that's not who I am. You know who I am is what he's saying. And he's trying to connect back with this church. He says, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing and yet possessing everything. Again, Paul's just saying that sometimes you don't have all the financial things, you don't have all the wealth, but I'm rich because I have Christ inside of me. Paul never forgets how important that gift is that we've been given. Verse 11 and 13, as it goes on, it says, We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians, and opened wide our hearts to you. We are not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding yours from us. You ever had that happen in a relationship? Right? You've, you've opened up and you've shared, you've laid out everything, and that the other person doesn't respond the same way. I won't ask for a show of hands because I'm sure we've all had that experience, right? There's a, there's a risk involved when we do that. I would love to tell you, every time you open up your heart, you know, you'll be received, right? It, it'll go well. That's not how it's, quite often not how it is. It doesn't work that way. You know, one of my, my other favorite sayings is, right, I, I can't control how the other person is going to, what they're going to do or what they're going to say, but I can control how I respond to it. And Paul is saying, hey, I responded in love to you. I know you're angry with me. I know you're upset, some of you, but I still love you. I still want the relationship. But he's also calling them out and saying, you're not receiving me back. You're not allowing me to be your, your pastor, your minister at this point. He longs to. He wants that relationship back. A couple weeks ago, we, we took it down on a personal level, right? We, we talked about reconciling, reconciling that person, because early on, Paul used the example, right? The immoral brother that was kicked out in 1 Corinthians, right? He had repented. He came back, and the church wasn't receiving him back, right? They were holding him at arm's length, right? They weren't welcoming him. They were holding him off as a an outsider. He had done everything that he was supposed to do, but yet they weren't receiving him. And we can fall in that same temptation, right? People mess up and they ask for forgiveness and we don't allow them back in. We don't let them get back in relationship. And we can come up with all different reasons why we don't, but I think Scripture is pretty clear that we are called to forgive them and to receive them back into relationship. And verse 13 just wraps up this section. It says, As a fair exchange, I speak to you as my children. Open wide your hearts also. You can almost hear the, the plea in his voice, right? The, the, the love that he has for them. He's like, hey, please, just, just 
give me another chance. Open up your heart again. Right? Let's be back in fellowship. Paul longs to be there with them and longs to be connected to them. Remember, this is a church that he's most likely planted, he started, he, he worked alongside of. He was there for at least 18 months, maybe more, and he cared about them. He knew them. He had a relationship with each and every one of them. And he was longing for that. Then he shifts gears. Verse 14 is kind of a, a shift. In fact, if, if I was in control of breaking the chapters, this might be where I might break the chapter because it, it really does shift a little bit. But again, this also may be part of the reason why they're not opening their hearts so as well. And so uh, maybe there's someone that has greater wisdom than me. But verse 14 is definitely a different direction. Paul addresses another problem in the church of the day. The church in Corinth was kind of a, an island unto itself, but around them were many false teachers, false prophets, there were shrines, there was temples set up. Again, Corinth was a trade route, it was a port in the sea, and it had everything that you could imagine, all sorts of different religions and faiths and falsehood and idols especially. And Paul's going to warn them. If you read 1 Corinthians, you know that was a problem in that day, right? That was one of the main things that he kept saying. The, the, you're not looking any different. You're, for an example, you're in church on Sunday, and then on Saturday you're in another place, and on Monday you're in another place. And you're, you're in false teaching, and you're, you're almost like you're pantheist. You're taking in all sorts of different religions, right? And so he warns against idolatry, and so verse 14 addresses that. Again, he goes down at the base level of a relationship. Verse 14, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. And read that again. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what does righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belah? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? So he's making the contrast, right? It should be opposite ends, right? Now, is Paul saying being a separatist? No, it's not what he's saying, right? Paul and other, hey, you're in the world. He, he not acknowledges that. Paul certainly was among unbelievers, but he didn't participate in their religions. He didn't yoke himself with them, right? He didn't partner up with those who taught falsely. There were lines drawn. There were places where, you know what, I'm not going to cross over there. We're not in agreement theologically with them. There's a difference. We often use this verse as well with marriage, right? That's one of those yokings together in, in marriage. And um, as your pastor, I'll just let you know that if you were to come to me and ask me to do your wedding and you're a believer and that person's an unbeliever, I won't do your wedding. Not because I don't love you, not because I don't care. But I would feel like I would be blessing that unequally yoked, right? Scripture is pretty clear about that. And again, why would I set you up for that failure? That's a struggle. It's hard enough as two believers coming together under Christ to make and work at a marriage. Part of yesterday in our, our fatherhood, we talked about relationships, and I actually did a session, a breakout session on the five love languages. Yes, five love languages. It's an older book, and uh, I mean, that's why they asked me to do it, because I'm an older guy, but it still applies, right? 
You know, finding out what your love language is and find out what your, your spouse is. And, and we were talking about it, and, and I said, it's a struggle, right? It's a struggle loving that other person. They're not the same as you, right? I'll use PJ as an example. Fortunately, she's out with the kids, so you guys, if you don't wrap me out, I'll be in good shape this afternoon. But we're different. PJ and I are not the same. We don't look at things the same way. We don't often read things the same way. We don't act in situations the same way. But through God and through Christ, we can come together and we can function as a marriage. But we have to work at it. It takes a lot of work, a lot of time. Interestingly enough, we as elders just went through a, a, a disassessment. Again, it's a management tool, but just to see in our personalities and how, you know, what our, our tendencies are and, and what, how do we communicate. And, and guess what we found out? Our elders are all different. We're not all the same. In fact, I'm in one quadrant all by myself. Tony's in another. And Steve, Steve you're an oddball too, right? No, I mean, no, you're not an oddball. I'm just sorry. Poor Steve, he takes a beating from me. It's the first time since I've been here at Pointway that I finally have an elder that's older than me, and I pick on him all the time. It may be my last. But Steve's in a different quadrant, right? Brandon and I are as far apart as we can possibly be, but yet we function well, right? Coming together. But a lot of that has to do with our commonality because of the scriptures, because we are yoked as believers. And that's how we can come together and, and work together. The warning comes, though, if you yoke yourself who's not a believer, you're in for a rough road. It's not going to be easy. And so Paul contrasts the two because you're looking at things differently. He even uses one of the, you know, the difference between a false god here, Bala, and Christ, right? It's, it was set up in one of the shrines, one of the temples. It was a false god, and that's where people would go and actually worship this idol. Some say it was a fertility god. Some say it was a, a, almost like a golden calf. But the, the point is that it's opposite ends. They're not liked. There's nothing in common. I don't know about you, but I even have that struggle sometimes in my own family, right? Sometimes if you have an unbeliever in, in the, your family, you can talk about certain things, and, but it only goes so far, Right? It's hard to talk about ministry or church and those things because they have no basis. They don't, they don't even know what you're talking about. They don't understand. You know, why would you do that? Why would you, why would you move to Minnesota? Right? It doesn't make sense because they're not coming from it from the same point of view or from the same heart. And he goes on with this contrast here in verse 16. He says, What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. Kind of goes back to that thought, right? Our bodies, we are a temple. We have that Holy Spirit living inside of us. We are that ambassador. We are that representation of Christ. It's what people see and should see when they see us as believers. And he says, as God has said, I will live with them and walk among them. And I will be their God and they will be my people. Right? He goes Old Testament on them, right? Again, remember, there's a lot of times in this, this church, there's Jewish believers and there's Gentile believers, and sometimes the Jews had that struggle of wanting to go back, and so he uses Scripture here to make his point. Right? 
I love the fact that we still sing songs. And I don't know if you know this or not, but our, the kids out there, they're all working through, uh, they were working through the, the, the faith, the great cloud of witnesses, and they're doing the Old Testament. They're using the Old Testament characters, and they're going through it. And one of the things about it is they all can say the same thing, that God was faithful, right? God was with them. As long as they were falling after him and, and not chasing after idols, God was faithful. He provided for them. And so that's where some of this reference, and Paul uses these scriptures to back up his point. And so he goes on in verse 17, he says, Therefore, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. And I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. I'm going to stop there this morning, although I could go on, because like I said, the chapter breaks are not great here, but again, it's going to be another point for next week. But God is saying that we are called to be separate, right? And separate in the fact that we don't link ourselves with unbelievers, right? That, that unevenly yoked, but he's, it's also a caution about how we, we act, right? We don't act like the world, and again, as we mature and we become, we, we use, like to use the big, I call it the $10 word, sanctification, right? That, and it's a progression. It, it doesn't happen all at once, but we continue to grow, right? We don't struggle with the same things over and over again. Not that we just sometimes don't go back to them, but it's not the battle of the day. It's usually something else, right? We don't get stuck there. We continue to grow, and right? How do we grow in our relationship with God? We read his word. We get to gather with people and the church body, come together. It's iron sharpens iron, right? We, we encourage each other. We pray for each other. We walk alongside each other. Sometimes we struggle together, right? I always say the church is a great Petri dish in many ways, right? We get to put all those things into practice. I was talking earlier about, you know, coming from different backgrounds and different spots and different things, right? We get to put that into practice each and every week or even more if we meet during the week and stuff, as elders, as the church body. We don't all see things the same way, but we can look at God's word and work it out together. We can work on those relationships. We can forgive one another. We can love on each other. And we can come together. And so my encouragement or my caution for you this morning is as Christ's ambassadors, be careful of those things that may pull you away. Be careful of those things that are not of God. It's a, it's a warning. It's a warning that Paul gives and a warning that, that any good pastor should give as well. Be careful what you get involved with. Be careful what you read, what you watch. Right? Be careful who you link arms with. It comes as a warning, but it's, it's a warning of wisdom, right? If it's not in God's word and it doesn't line up with that, then question it. It's okay, right? That's our guide. That's our plumb line. That's what brings us back. That's what keeps us together. It holds us together is God's word. Listen to the Holy Spirit in those things. And that if we do that, then we'll be good ambassadors and we won't be led astray. Bow with me, please. Gracious Heavenly Father, as 
Your word is clear on many of these things, Lord. Lord, we need help. We come to you and we admit that we need help in these, that we need discernment, we need know how to interact with a world that is going against you. Lord, we need wisdom. We need others in our lives to help us to see clearly you. Lord, we're thankful that you're with us always and that we have you to lean upon first and foremost. And Lord, we, we need that help. And Lord, help us as we continue to grow in our relationship with you and Lord, that we would just become the ambassador that you've called us to be. I also pray for protection here over Pointway, Lord, that we would stand true to your word and true to you. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.